Good morning. Good to have you out here today in person and those who have joined us online. Uh, I have, uh, this is the time in the service, I should say, my name is Dave Esau. I'm pastor here at Eagle Ridge Bible Fellowship. And a, a number of announcements that we have this morning. Uh, one of them, just a reminder always, that we have a variety of giving options, but it is also income tax time coming up. And so if you made donations last year and you have a, a receipt, then uh, please see Diane after the service and you can pick that up from her. One of our uh, global mission agencies is uh, Mennonite Central Committee. And they do some amazing work around the world. We often are involved in various projects. But once in a while, they put on a, a fundraising banquet. And uh, it is a wonderful opportunity to be able to hear in person people from uh, what are the projects, what is God doing in and uh, through us collectively together around the world. And so if you would like to be a part of that, please let me know. We've got uh, some space. We've bought a table there, and we've got some space. And if we need to buy more tickets, we would be glad to do that. Young adults, they met last night at 7 o'clock for a meal and a study together, and they do that every week. So just a reminder uh, about that. And also... A thank you to those of you who have offered to host the high school dinners. So once a month, the senior high get together in a home and they have a meal together and a study together. And uh, Yosef has been asking for volunteers for that. And we have somebody for each of the upcoming months. So that's wonderful. We thank you very much for those of you who have offered to host. Kids ministry. In uh, next Sunday evening, there's going to be something called a Kids Zone Parent Roundtable. This is for you to be involved. It's an evening to talk and dream about how we can better serve families here at our church and also in our community. And your input is really important and valued. There will be childcare provided, so we would love to have you join us for that. Also, those of you who are, you know, athletic, or not so much, but you want to come out and get a little exercise. We do have pickleball night and some badminton this Wednesday evening. So you're welcome to join us for that. And finally, uh, today I have the unenviable job of announcing that our wonderful director of worship ministries, Ariel Bowers, has decided to step down from her role. Uh, and she'll be stepping down as of April 15th. Ariel has served our church with great dedication and skill, both on staff. She's been on staff for the past seven years, and before that as a volunteer in our worship ministries. Ariel and her family do plan to remain actively involved in our church. That's the good news. But obviously not as our halftime worship director, director of worship ministries. And I just want to say it's been a blessing to serve alongside her on our staff team. I have seen her pastoral leadership and her servant heart enrich the lives of many people, including my own. Her multifaceted organizational, administrative, and visual media skills were especially a godsend when COVID hit and we had to go so much to digital. And... Uh, there are huge gaps that we know that will need to be filled, some of which we don't even know yet because she has served in many ways beyond her official job description. 
Ariel would have liked to have been here today in person, but she and Craig had already made plans uh, for this weekend to go and visit her mom in Lac La Hush, and so we thought it all best that they carry on with those plans. Transition planning, of course, is in its very early stages, but the worship committee has already met uh, this past week to do things like review her job description. And there is much more yet to do, like forming a search committee. Ariel will be back in the office this week, and she wanted to me to let you know that she already has a meeting scheduled for after the service next Sunday for all of the people involved in worship ministries, but also for anyone who is interested or has questions or might want to say, well, how can I help? How can I be involved in the interim? And as I said, she will be working until April 15th, and the Bauer family will continue to remain actively involved in our church even after that time. And I encourage you in the coming days and weeks and months to express your care and appreciation to her. Let's take a moment to pray. Oh Lord, today we want to lift up before you Ariel and Craig, Danica and Catherine. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you, Lord, for the call, especially upon Ariel's life and the way that she has led us so diligently in, in our worship ministries. And Lord, we pray uh, for her in this transition time as well, Lord, as she is, I know she's doing further studies and spiritual direction and uh, many assignments to do in that. But Lord, I pray also that their time away together this weekend would be enriching. And Lord, that you would guide each and every one of us, Lord, to, uh, to what you have next for us. Amen. Well, you may have noticed the uh, display for the season of Lent. Thank you to Alyssa Kim, who does that for us. If you are someone who has grown up in a non-liturgical church, then the ancient practice of Lent may sound unfamiliar, or you may think, isn't that Catholic or something like that, okay? So first, what is Lent? Lent is a 40-day period from Ash Wednesday, that is this past Wednesday, to Good Friday. And since the 4th century, many Christians have spent the 40 days of this season leading up to the celebration of Easter. They spent that fasting, praying, preparing their own hearts like Jesus did during his 40 days in the wilderness as he prepared for ministry and what lay ahead. Lenten practices may vary, and they are intended, though, to deepen our relationship with Jesus and to help us serve like Jesus in the world around us. Now, historically, Christians abstain from certain kinds of food over the six-week period, though the question what to fast from and what to focus on is largely up to a, a personal decision. Ultimately, it is a call to surrender so fasting does not need to be restricted to a, a particular food. Sometimes the things that we need to fast from might be time on Netflix, hmm. or on TV, or social media, or perhaps a habit or a hobby that takes up more time that maybe than it should from God. Hmm. What we are wanting to encourage 
you to do during this season of Lent is focus on the scriptures like Jesus did. And we'll mention this board that we have up front here, an inspiration wall, we're calling it. Jesus had many of the scriptures memorized, and during that time in the wilderness, he used those. He had many used verses, I like to call them, that were put to great effect in his life. Um, uh, during this season, we also want to do more scripture reading in each of the services. So uh, we have scripture readers lined up. And this week, Janice, if you could please come up and read from Psalm 25 for us. Yes. Good morning, church. Um, I was talking to my mom last night, and she asked if I was going to be up in the nursery. And I said, no, I have to be in the service because I'm doing the scripture reading. And knowing how much I love talking and being in front of large groups of people, she was like, really? Why? And I said, well, you know, if Jesus can die on the cross for me, then surely I can read a few Bible verses in front of people for him. And so I would encourage you that if you're ever given the opportunity to do so, um, you can do it. And it's a way of a sacrifice of praise, of saying to Jesus, at least for this moment, I love you more than myself and my comfort. <laughs> And also, I'll be honest, I thought it's the holiday weekend, so there will be fewer people. <laughs> so today's scripture reading is from Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. Thank you. And one of the other things that we are I'm going to be asking a few of our elders to come up and to share with them, share with us, a favorite verse and how God has used it in your life. And uh, they're going to be adding it to the inspiration wall. That's going to be put up in the, uh, in the foyer. There's another one up there, so we have lots of room. And we want to encourage you to take a card that we have there. To You can write it out. If you think, my writing is terrible, no one will ever read it, I'm going to print it out. You know, you can do that and bring it. And I, we just ask that you would put your name in the corner of it. Because you may find that, hey, Janice has the same favorite verse as I do. Or, I wonder what's the story? How has God used that in your life? And so we did this exercise uh, as, uh, as leaders uh, recently in the last month. And it was enriching. And I said, why don't we let some of that flow into the service today? So, I don't know who's first. Adrian, are you up first? Or Yes? Go ahead. Grab a mic. 
The verse is from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can endure. Years ago, I had a time when that wasn't enough for me. And I actually wanted to leave this world. But the trouble is, a lot of people read that part and forget about the next sentence, which says, but along with the temptation, he will also make a way out so you may be able to endure it. The temptation or the problems that come up always seem like they're unsurmountable. But if you turn to God, you don't have to do it by yourself. You can do it with him. And he can get you through anything. Thank you. You know, when we were first asked about this, I had a hard time choosing one. I, I had to debate over several. Would I go with Genesis 1-1? That was a big one. John 1-1. That's an important one to me. Uh, Micah 6-8. That was a favorite of my grandmother. But I finally settled on one that uh, kind of was staring me in the face every Sunday for the first 20 years of my life because it was the, the verse that was printed at the front of the church I grew up in. And that was Romans 12, verse 2 at least the first half of it, which was, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because then you can test and approve God's will, his good and pure and perfect will. Like I say, the first half was the, the part that was printed in the front of the church every Sunday that we could see. And it just, it was a reminder to me that our minds are important. And we can approach the scriptures and we can approach God with our intellects. And it's not just a case of checking your mind at the door when you're a Christian. My verse. Maybe some others have the same verse. Isaiah 43, 19. See... I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. A few years ago, I was working from home right before COVID even hit because our organization had shut down immediately with no warning because it had lost all five bids for the from the government that it had put in for. And so I was managing, but not very well. And all of a sudden, I'm at work, I'm sitting at my, at my desk at home, and I'm you know, on my computer, and I see this job posting show up. It came from the job bank of all places, not even LinkedIn or Indeed, and I had no idea that I'd put, ever put anything that I would want anything to come through the job bank to me. And it was, and it is, a legacy role for me. I, am the, I, I was able to take all my 20 years of experience, bring all my 20 years of experience into the role that God has given me as the first person to bring career services to Métis Nation BC, serving Métis people all across the province. I have the opportunity to also bring my own ancestry. I am Métis Indigenous ancestry um, in my family. And I, yeah, it's just a beautiful 
God brought this that I had no idea was even going to show up. I didn't know anything about Métis people necessarily. I knew our ancestry a little bit, but I didn't even know there was a place called Métis Nation BC. So in so many ways, God just brought something completely new, and he did make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland for me. Bless you. Thank you. And just a reminder, maybe you have a favorite verse, and it is in your first language, which is not English. Yes, we would like that. In whatever language that you prefer, we just would encourage you to put it, the, uh, the reference as well in English so that we can uh, also see so, what that is. But, and if you would like to share, I know some of you are already saying, I've got a favorite verse. Well, let me know, and you can be the opportunity. You can put it on the board, but if you would also be willing to come up front and to share as, uh, as some of our elders have done this morning, then let me know, and we will schedule you in one of the, uh, in one of the coming weeks. Well, this year, we started with a, I started with a series entitled, What If Jesus Had Never Come? And uh, we have explored the impact that Jesus and his followers have had in a variety of areas, as large as world history, in healthcare, on humility and servant leadership, the value of human life, science, and last week, sex and the family. There are many that we could have explored, arts, education, economics, social justice, morality, and ethics, and the list goes on. And you may wonder, why is this important to know? Because many of the widespread misconceptions and misrepresentations of Christianity in our culture need a historical perspective. They really do. Healthy critique is natural, it's normal, and necessary part of life, but the overall impact that Jesus and his followers have had in so many areas of life is profoundly positive. And, uh, and now, in this season of Lent, I've decided to follow up from that big picture of what if Jesus had never come with a focus on what difference can Jesus make in our personal lives in a variety of areas, work, anxiety, disability, grief, we'll be looking at a variety of areas. And we'll be looking at the personal impact that Jesus had, not only back then, but is still having today. So when I was thinking about people in the gospel who had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, one that immediately came to mind is Peter. Peter and the day that he met Jesus and his whole life changed. I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 5. And I know some of you are going to say, it's on the overhead. I don't need to turn there. Ah, but we're going to look a little bit what came before and after, and I don't have that on the overhead. So you're going to need to have your Bibles open. And if you need a Bible, we ha always have Bibles uh, when, when you come in, and if you put your hand up and you say, I'd like to have a Bible, the usher will bring you one. And if you don't have a Bible, there we'll have someone up here. And if you don't have a Bi your own Bible, you can keep the one that you get. 
okay? And if it's too small a print, I have some larger print ones available in my office. Well, let's read uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the lake of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and, and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Oh, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished to catch a fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled up their boats on the shore up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Have you ever had a life-changing event? <laughs> Many have. Sometimes it's hard to believe how relatively short some of our most life-changing experiences can be. Many of the life-altering events and experiences people have that, that make the news at least are negative and destructive. A car crash, a drive-by shooting, a workplace accident. When friends of ours lost their daughter in a car accident years ago, we knew they would never be the same. But some life-altering events and experiences are also incredibly positive some life-saving and life-changing events are dramatic. Uh, you know, you've probably heard of the song Amazing Grace. And the person who wrote that, John Newton, had the most dramatic turnaround because he was a sea captain with haul hauling slaves, and it was the mother of all storms that broke loose. And he cried out to God to save him, and that if he saved him, he would change his life. And he did. Well, there are others that are far more subtle, but can have an equally dramatic and lasting effect. Just watching the news uh, this week, and there was a, a fellow who had almost died from a drug overdose years ago in a, in an injection, on an injection site. And the, the nurse who was watching over him and who had to give him naloxone, when he did suddenly come to, there she was, crying. And he's like, why are you crying? Because we almost lost you. And he said, her tears were the thing that, that God used to totally turn around his life. 
and to look for help. Well, the truth is that most of the time, we don't even know if, when, how a life-altering experience, if or when or how it will happen. For example, the story that we just read from Luke There was nothing to indicate to Simon and his fishermen friends how utterly life-changing the events of that day would be in their lives, especially when you think of how it started with such disappointment and failure since they had worked hard all night fishing and hadn't caught anything. Ever had a day like that? A day that just seemed like a total waste of time. I remember in construction... I thought I had followed the boss's instructions and spent all day putting in, uh, in doing some installation of, of tubs, putting the, the back, backing that would be needed. And then he came and looked at the end of the day and he said, wrong place. Yeah, well, you, you've had days probably like that. But I'm getting ahead of myself because Luke doesn't start his story with Simon and his friend's failure. He begins the story with Jesus' great success. Indeed, Jesus is fast becoming so successful that people are flocking to him and crowding around him to hear what he has to say. In fact, on this occasion, Jesus is cornered by the water's edge. And Jesus realizes he's going to need to improvise. And he spots two boats who have been left by, there by the fishermen who he sees are washing their nets. That is, they're packing up. And so he climbs into one of them to use it as a temporary pulpit. Probably so he'll have some breathing room and also a place to sit. In the Bible, they didn't stand to preach and teach. They sat to preach and teach. So that's why he's sitting. And also, it's a long time that he's going to be there. And also, they'll be able to hear him because the sound travels really well on water. I remember sitting by a lake years ago and there were places far across the other side. You couldn't really see. You could see that there were little, little houses. But we noticed at night as we were sitting at the water's edge, it was a warm evening. Wow, we could hear some conversations going on that I don't think the people across the lake realized we could hear. So it's just like, yes, this really would help the acoustics. Well, and Simon, he must have seen what was happening and came over to see what this rabbi, Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher, what he was planning to do with his boat. Now, Jesus knew that he could use the boat and an experienced person to help guide and keep it in place. So he asked Simon to pilot his floating pulpit into place. And then Jesus spoke and he taught. God's word, it says, How long, we don't know. It was probably longer than a 20-minute message. But we know that when he had finished speaking, instead of asking Simon, Simon, can you take me back to shore? He tells him, it's time to go fishing. Well, put out into the deep water, he says. Let down the nets for a catch. I mean, it's been a long night. And undoubtedly a long day for Peter, who hasn't slept. He's had more than enough failure for a day. And he's not about to waste any more time or effort fishing today. This rabbi may know a lot about teaching people God's word, but it's highly unlikely that he has much of a clue about fishing. 
uh, just in case you don't know, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Zero. Nada. In other words, it would be a total waste of time. But something changes his mind. Something keeps him from saying a final, no, it's a crazy idea. Crazy because we're tired and the fish would see our nets in the light. Was it the look on Jesus' face? Were there cultural influences and dynamics at work? After all, he's a rabbi. Or, if you look back at the end of chapter 4, he had been in Peter's home and healed his mother-in-law. Perhaps it just didn't feel right saying no. Perhaps there was even a small spark of faith mixed in among his great doubts. Or simply a, what have I got to lose mentality. But whatever it was, rather than saying a hard no, he gave a, a reluctant but willing, okay, because you say so, I will let down the nets. I think Simon was prepared for more failure, don't you? And having to wash and untangle his nets all over again. But he was totally caught off guard when they let down their nets, it says, and they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. By the way, I just watched this scene in The Chosen. And uh, one of the things they did uh, watching that, it's, you realize, oh yeah, there was a lot of panic that must have ensued there. And suddenly they're shouting for their friends, you know, and this overwhelming catch, you got to help us. And these guys running over to help them try to haul this huge catch of fish out of the... And, uh, and it's one thing to see, you know, the catch of a lifetime happen to rookies. I guarantee you it's quite another to see seasoned veterans go crazy. One of the reasons, I think, when Phil early took me, I, go, I like to go fishing, as, as you know, you know, and I, and I realized I don't catch fish that often, but when I do, everybody, you know, around me knows. <laughs> Such excitement. And, uh, and then I've seen that take place with other rookies, and you think, yeah, that's kind of cool to watch that. But a seasoned veteran, they're like, oh yeah, been there before, done that. But these guys are like rookies. They're going absolutely crazy. They've never seen or experienced anything like this. I guarantee you there wasn't a fisherman around that didn't know and tell others what happened that day. Guaranteed. Simon wasn't prepared for such a miraculous catch a boat sinking haul of fish, nor were he and his friends prepared for the emotional impact it would have. For when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees and said, Jesus, you've got to join our crew. We're going to make a killing. No, he didn't say that, did he? Because the biggest thing in his mind at that moment was not the size of the catch, but the boatload of sin in his own life. 
and how unworthy he was to be in the same boat with Jesus. It wasn't right for a holy man with divine power like Jesus to pay him and his friends a visit at their work of all places where they're not really dressed that well and smelling that great. It was one thing to see Jesus heal his mother-in-law from her fever. It's something he probably didn't know that much about and was glad, but to see Jesus fish with an ability and skill that left all of the professional fishermen reeling like mere infants in his presence. This was divinity in working clothes that looked and felt. This is what it felt like to be in a holy presence, and he knew that he was sinking fast. And that, I think, is why his instinctive response was not, stay here, but go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. There are many people in our day who are troubled by Peter's description of himself as a sinful person. It's bad for his self-esteem. He's a person who may sin from time to time, but people are fundamentally good and just make mistakes or mess up once in a while. People who say, think or say that have never had an encounter with the living God, or they would know better. Peter's response is the only realistic and appropriate one in the presence of the one who is truly good and holy. Indeed, dramatic changes only happen when God allows us to see and experience two things, at least two things. The first is to see ourselves as we truly are without him, hopelessly sinful and lost, desperately in need of an extreme makeover, not just some touch-ups. And the second thing is also to see ourselves as he sees us, loved beyond our wildest hopes and dreams. We long to be loved, don't we? So we make sure to present our best selves in our public profiles, online or in person. And yet, even when people like or even love us, something in us wonders how long we can keep the unlikable and unlovable parts of us from being discovered. But Jesus saw Peter, all of Peter. And he sees us as we truly are, utterly sinful, yes, but also deeply and completely loved and valued by him. He's going to tell Peter, I have wonderful plans for your life, if you are willing. Indeed, Jesus invites Peter to join his family fishing business. Fishing for what is infinitely valuable to, to God. People. People like Peter and his friends. And a whole host of people from all walks of life, including those the world discards. 
In fact, this is where, if you have your Bibles open, if you have any headlines at all, like uh, many Bibles do, you'll see Jesus heals a man with leprosy. That was a castaway. And then it will say Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Another castaway. And then it says Jesus calls Levi and eats with sinners, tax collectors. Yes, some more. You, you get the idea here. He loves all kinds of people. He knows all people. And he loves them. And Peter is the spokesperson, and I like to think of him, he's the poster child, right? For the difference that Jesus can make in a person's life. But verses 9 and 10 make it clear that he and all his companions, as all of them, were astonished at what Jesus had done. The word astonished, it's a little used word, but it's usually a word of being surrounded held all around. I think here it's meaning they are gripped, they are seized, they are captured and captivated by what has happened, by what they have seen and experienced. And this is why when Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people, it says he, no, it says they pulled their boats up. They left everything and followed him. That's radical, isn't it? Some would say they were crazy to leave it all behind. Crazy for the Zebedee brothers, James and John, to leave their father with no one to run the family business. I've wondered that. And then in this scene that I watched in The Chosen, I think they got something else right as, as, as well. Zebedee's response And what we see there is every godly parent would have wanted their son or daughter if the Messiah came and he asked us to work with him. Absolutely. It's the thing that any parent would dream of. To join the Messiah's family business. It's the opportunity of a lifetime in their eyes. And so they followed. What difference can Jesus make? Clearly a lot, if we let him be our master and savior. None, if we don't. Some changes Jesus makes are instant and utterly life-altering, as it was for Peter, when he left behind both his life of sin and his livelihood for the life that Jesus was calling him to. But we also know that not everything about Peter changed that day, did it? He stuck his foot in his mouth on a lot of occasions, sometimes opposed Jesus. So while some changes that Jesus makes are seismic, others are more like seeds planted in our minds and in our hearts that grow over time as we learn to cooperate with what his spirit is doing in us and wants to do through us. You know, weeding out deep roots of bitterness and anger often take a lot more time and effort than we wish. When I came to faith as a teenager, I discovered I had a lot of anger in my life. And over time, God helped me learn, including memorizing some verses and using those in those moments and taking them to heart to 
Weed that out. Some things never get weeded out. Apparently, I'm still a little competitive. But Peter was too. And he used it, God used it for good. But we learn that Jesus is not only patient, he is also very persuasive and persistent. His initial call sometimes requires a major recall. You ever get that on your vehicle? There's a major recall on it. Peter gets a major recall. One of them is at the end of the Gospel of John. Sometimes that is required in our life. But today, today, Jesus is offering you the chance of being changed by him. Are you willing to do that? Then open up your heart and mind to him right now. Lord Jesus, it's clear that you have the ability to make great changes in people's lives. We see it on the pages of the Gospels. But sometimes we wonder, Lord, can you make that kind of change in us? Or in the people around us that we long to see changed. To turn from a, a dead end and to find life. Lord, if we're honest, we know that uh, we actually haven't got a clue how to change people. But you do. You know how even to change us. To change our reluctance into wholehearted dedication to you. To take dreams that we thought had died, the failures that we feel like it's, we're done, and to breathe new life and hope. And so we come to you today, maybe for the first time, maybe what seems like for the hundredth time, but we ask you to change us. Change us for your glory. Amen. In the middle of a storm, that's what we need. To remember, right, what Jesus has done, what he is capable of, and therefore we have hope. If you came expecting to take something home today, good for you. You can take a loaf of bread home or something. We've had the, the Cobb's uh, delivery or was uh, yesterday. And so if you go to the Welcome Center, there is bread, I am told, much of it there. And you are welcome to pick that up. And of course, I hope that you take home with you today hope. And also, maybe uh, renewed prayer that God can make difference in your life, in the lives of others around you, in your workplace. I tell you, that workplace that Peter and his friends were sure transformed. If you would like prayer, uh, Rob and Catherine, part of our prayer team, will be available here up at the front, and they would love to pray with you. And I encourage you to do that. And to him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you before his glorious presence, without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore.
Amen.